thank you that you are all we need. Father, again, help us every day to realize you are all that we need. There's nothing else that matters, nothing else is important but spending time with our Father. Help every one of us realize that every day, to put everything else aside, no matter what we have going on, and just spend time with you. Because relationship with you is greater than anything else we have, we own, we could possibly even imagine. Help every one of us realize that every day to spend time with you and just to worship you and let you love back on us and to fill us with your joy, your presence, your anointing, your power. Spend time with you is above everything we could ever do. Help every one of us realize that every day to put time aside and to spend it with you. And finally, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Before you shake hands, let me challenge and encourage every one of you. There are many things possible that we could do every day, but the greatest thing is spending time with God. If you're not doing it yet, start this afternoon. We're starting already today, but go into this afternoon. Do it tonight. Do it in the morning. Put every, if you have to get up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., whatever time you have to get up, get up 10 minutes early, 20 minutes early. Don't, don't spend three hours. You can if you want to. Just get up a little bit earlier and spend time with God because that's the greatest time of your day. Amen? Take a few minutes, shake a few hands, hug a few necks, tell people you're glad they're here and you're, you're excited to see them. Or just act like you're excited to see them or something. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Um, just a few quick announcements again. I don't think we have any first-time visitors. You can sit down. Oh, we have first-time visitors. We have a couple of first-time visitors. We have one at least. For a first-time visitor, fill this card out. You can sit down. Sit down. We're, we don't do the whole thing of making you say your name. Come up here. Introduce yourself. Everybody look at the visitor. Just kidding. We don't do that. Anyway, fill this out. We'd love to stay in contact with you and say hello. Also, if you're coming here, please uh, fill this out. We'd love your help. We need a whole bunch of help on there. And so we'll turn this in at the end of the service for the, uh, for the offering. We'll turn this in. So hold on these cards. Fill them out. And uh, put on there, put on there what, um, what you'd like to help out. We always need more help serving. So throw that on there, if you will. The other announcements are in your new bulletin. Do you like our new bulletin? I, I didn't make it, just so you know. But um, anyway, I'm very proud of someone that made it for us. They're going to start doing this every week. And so it's, it's very awesome. So um, service this Wednesday night here at 7 p.m. You want to be here? Kids are learning drama in another room. We have service. Uh, we have service in here. Kids learn drama in the nursery. The kids go learn something. So if you bring your kids with you, bring your kids, they'll learn something. They're going to drama. They do it here on Sunday mornings every once in a while, and that'll be awesome. Also, Book of the Month, The Bait of Satan. That's an awesome book. You want to make sure you get that book. Make sure that you read that with us. It's actually PDF. You don't have to pay for it. Um, um, if I'm too loud, Carson, where's Carson at? He left the building. Um, anyway, uh, Carson will turn me down a little bit. Yeah, I don't know which one I'm on. Yeah, right there. Jason's got it. Anyway, uh, yeah, not that much. He'll cut me off. But anyway, uh, thanks, Jason. But anyway, yeah, oops, right. But anyway, um, where's that? Bait of Satan. Um, Donita found it as a PDF. You have to pay for it. So if you look at Bait of Satan as a PDF, you can find it, you can read it. It's an amazing book. It'll help you not to get offended anymore. Can I promise you? Can I promise you? You will be offended at some point in church. Everyone say amen. amen. I can promise you that 100 million percent. You're going to get mad at me. You're going to get mad at somebody. You're going to get mad. It's going to happen. Everyone, everyone shake your head yes. It's going to happen. You have to learn to not get offended, because when you get offended, the devil will get you just like that. He'll get you out of church. He'll mess you up. That's part of my sermon this morning. I talked about two weeks ago. The devil is going to get you offended as much as he can, because if he can get you mad at church, he'll leave the church. Do you know that? 
and the devil is working on you overtime. And I am not kidding. He is working on us overtime in this church. You see we're missing a lot of people this morning? People are offended. They're going to get offended. And I'm sorry. I love everybody. But get over it. Everyone smile at me. Read that book. Cotton pick him. Quit getting offended. But anyway, um, anyway, uh, Easter Sunday, like on a, a happier note, woohoo, Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday, you want to make sure you join Easter Sunday, uh, be here, invite some friends, if you will, please bring some candy over the next two or three weeks, uh, bring some candy the next couple of weeks so we can stack some eggs and stuff like that, we need more candy for you guys, so bring some candy or throw in $100,000 in the offering plate, we can buy more candy, wouldn't that be fun? We're not doing a big Easter egg, huh? We're an Easter egg here. We only need like a thousand eggs, something like that. And we have a bunch of eggs in there. But bring some candy. And if everyone brings two or three bags of candy in the next couple weeks, we'll have lots of candy. Can everyone make some candy for me? Bring some candy. Bring some candy. Awesome. All right. Roger always brings the good stuff. Anyway, and so and don't forget about Wednesday night here at the church. Amen. Kids, y'all can be dismissed. We'll see you guys later. Children, y'all can go that way. Where'd Carson go now? Who text me? So fun. Um, anyway, move it forward more, will you, so it's not so far in the back. Anyway, everyone smile at me real big. Everybody really excited this morning. Be very happy because, uh, because this morning's message is going to be deeper than last Sunday's. How many, how many enjoyed last Sunday's message? My wife did. Um, you, um, this Sunday's message is going to be a little, a little um, deeper, a little harder. And uh, I have been, God told me, he told me when I started this church, we were in this church about, uh, we were in the church about six weeks, and we're downtown at the, at the um, city market building down there, and I was praying in the back room. They had a green room in there. It was kind of fun. So I sat back in this, I felt real important. I sat in the back room and felt real important. I this real, had no green room. Didn't have any desserts or anything, snacks, but anyway, it's great. I said, I'm very important. So I'm back there. I'm like, yeah, wife didn't do anything for me. But yes, I'm back there having fun. And I just, I was, and God just hit me. I said, God, you got to grow this church. He said, Marshall, you got to make disciples. I'm like, okay. I've tried disciple making a whole bunch of times. And am I on? Okay. Yeah, go. Yeah, start. I got to start over again. Thanks. Anyway, and so, uh, so I got to make disciples. So, I'm, I'm, so I've tried a bunch of different ways. In the last couple of weeks, God has hit me harder and harder and harder about making disciples. He is really hitting it home to me. And who does, who does disciple making start with? Me, correct? If we're, my wife and I prayed this morning. If I'm not a disciple, how can I teach you guys to be disciples? And God's hitting hard with me more and more. And so this morning, my message of one of you guys is very challenging. And my step all over your toes, but everyone keeps smiling the whole service. I'll never know it hits you, right? If you keep smiling, like me, I'll never know it's for you. It might be for your neighbor. If, you're, if I see you going like this for your spouse, right? You just, it just, it's for your, not you, it's for your, your boyfriend and girlfriend, somebody else. Anyway, so anyway, so this morning's message is going to be awesome. So, and um, um, I read this in a book this morning. I was actually reading through a, Billy, a Sunday, he was an awesome evangelist. He's a baseball player in the early 1900s. He was, he was, he was a drunkard baseball player. He was, he was one of the craziest players. When he ran the bases, he was one of the first guys stole bases. Absolutely crazy guy, awesome, amazing guy. He got saved. He's walking down the road when they go into a bar. Salvation Army's out front doing their bling, bling, you know, doing the whole thing. They, they still do it. I don't know if they're doing it anymore today. Banging the drums. What's that? No, they're ringing the bell. They would they stand there and they have their outfits on. They're banging the bass drum and they play the trumpet. Oh God, rest whatever. They sing some song. Anyway, he walks by making fun of them. They always tease him. And this one day, walk around all the time. One day, go in the bar. He got saved, radically saved. 
turn his life around for God, start following God. And he said this in a, in a sermon he wrote. And I, I got, thank you for my staff, honey. Um, I, see, I knew, I knew I found it somewhere. Jay tried to hide it on me this morning. But um, real quick, like, my job as a pastor, this is going to be some off from now on. My job as a pastor is to pastor you guys. You understand that? My job is to help every one of you have the greatest breakthrough in your life. I want to see every one of you have a blessed life. I do not want you to have a horrible life. I don't want you to be, is it turned sideways or something? Who cares? Don't worry about it. Anyway, it's, it's not for them then. If they're not here, they don't get it. But anyway, my job, my job is to love on you guys, to use the shepherd staff correctly. Come up here, Carson. <laughs> I love my son. He's so awesome. A shepherd staff is for many different reasons. Come here, sheep go back. No, he's <laughs> not going to do it. A shepherd's staff, a shepherd, one thing's your shepherd's staff, you take the shepherd's staff, I'm not going to run you, and you take it, and you grab it, and you say, okay, come back over here, buddy, you're going too far the wrong way, right? The other way, shepherd's staff, this is my favorite part. No, anyway, I do that at home a lot, don't I? No? Oh. Okay, this afternoon, we have a contest on, I'm going to catch him. No, anyway, but the shepherd's staff is for a purpose. Is to help you guys grow in Christ. Amen? If you're not growing in Christ, you're not getting better and better in Him. You're, you're the cloak that, that's on you when they, when they shear the sheep, when they shear the, oh, you're taking when they shear the sheep and they take the, the wool off of them, if it's not good wool, it's worthless, right? So God wants you to be the best sheep ever so your wool is perfect, it's white, and when the clothing is ready, I can go on and on, but I'm not, that's my point of the sermon. So anyway, so this morning, my challenge for you is to listen into this message and realize that I love every one of you. I truly do. Even our guests this morning. Thanks for being this morning. You want to come up on Facebook? No, sorry. Anyway, I love every one of you guys this morning. And my job is to help you be the best sheep ever. And sometimes a shepherd has to, has to get a hold of that sheep and, uh, and hook him around the neck and say, you're going the wrong direction, buddy. Do you know that? Thank you. So anyway, so you will see me hold this a lot over the next few weeks. I want you to get that impression that... that that I am your pastor and I want to bless your life. But, but uh, Billy Sunday said this in, his, in one of his sermons. If you want milk and honey on your bread, then you must go to the land of giants. If you want to see the great things of God, you have to fight the giants in your life. Many of us want to be great in God. We want to be giant slayers. Wouldn't that be awesome to be giant slayer? Wouldn't that be awesome? I'm going to pick on the guest because you're a guest. I'm going to have fun with you this morning. Anyway, wouldn't that be awesome? What's your name? Terrence. Terrence? Terrence on Facebook now. Anyway, wouldn't that be awesome, Terrence? If, uh, if, well, you can tell your parents to come to church today then. You're on Facebook, right? Anyway, so mom and dad, watch Facebook. Anyway, but wouldn't it be awesome if, if, if you came back from a battle and you killed the greatest giant and you came back and you're like, Terrence, he's the man. Whatever it is, you know, and you're, they're all praising you. Terrence, he's so awesome. He killed the greatest giant ever. He killed this, whatever he was, a giant, whatever. It doesn't matter. But anyway, he killed this great guy. And many of us want to be that person. We want to be the guy that shows up one day. Look at me. Look who I killed. Man, I, I did something amazing. I killed somebody great. Look at me. Many of us want to be there. But when we look at the giants, we run the other way, though. We see the giants. Well, I'm going to do that. God has called every one of us to slay giants. He has called every one of us to be great for him. Every one of you, even our vegetarians this morning. Every one of you, God has called every one of you to be great for him. And you have a choice to make. You either have to fight the giant or go the other way. If you choose to fight the giant, 
you'll become great in Christ. But if you let the giants stay in your life, because giants do that, they'll stand there till you face them. They will mock you. They will make fun of you. They will put you down. They will hinder your life. And they will block your life forever till you face that giant and destroy that giant. And the only one that can destroy that giant is God inside of you. He's the only, he's the only one that can stop that giant. But he wants you to overcome those giants. He wants you to be victorious in him. He wants you to be amazing in him. But many times we mess that up because we don't, we don't realize what it means. Do you want to be a giant? Say, so turn to James chapter 4. Everyone, go ahead and say, oh, me right now. Will you just say that right now? That way we cover everybody today. James chapter 4, starting in verse 4 through 10. James was the, um, he wasn't the stepbrother. He was the, what was James? He was the brother of Jesus, but he, you know, he wasn't a half-brother because God was Jesus' father. Mary was Jesus', Mary was Jesus mother. Mary was also James' mother, and Joseph was James. We'll get all, you got to write. Okay, anyway, there I go. So James, James, get the, I love family stuff. I don't know who he is. Anyway, James is Jesus' half-brother, right. And when Jesus was alive, James did not believe in Jesus. I talked about this before. James thought Jesus was a joke. How many of you have brothers and sisters? If your sister came up to you and said, I'm an amazing woman of God, would you go, <laughs> I won't say your name out loud. Right, right? I mean, really, I won't say your name out loud. But, but all of us would do that. I don't care who your brother and sister is. Look at your brother and sister. Oh, you, whatever, buddy. I, I grew up with you. I know what you're like. I, I know you, you've been mean to me. You, oh, yeah, don't talk about that, right? Well, James says, you're my older brother. You, whatever, I don't know what, Jesus probably didn't do anything wrong, but still, I'm sure James didn't like Jesus very much at all. What's that? Perspective, right? It's all perspective, but James didn't like Jesus at all. But he, Jesus was probably favored a lot. But anyway, but anyway, but, um, but anyway so James started following Jesus after Jesus rose from the dead. And here comes James along, and James is talking to people, and this is vital to every one of you, and to me as well. James chapter 4, verse 4, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. If you love the world at all, you're an enemy of God. This message this morning is not for the faint of heart. I almost put on Facebook, don't come to church this morning if you're weak in the knees. Because this is going to step on me and all of us today. But if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. So take a moment, think about that. What are you a friend of in the world? What's more important to you that you can't give it up for God? If you're a friend of the world, and I'm not talking about having friends in the world. I'm talking about loving things of the world. Do you love the things of the world? Are those things important to you? Or are you completely following God with your life? That is very difficult to do sometimes. Because all our friends are having fun. 
All our friends are doing things. All our friends are, look like they're enjoying life. I've been around people, they're laughing, enjoying life. I'm like, how come they're laughing, enjoying life, and I'm over here struggling? What's going on there? Sometimes I don't get it. But you know what? That song, we're in the song of this morning with that song, I'd rather struggle, be in the struggle of God and lay on his shore. What's it, lay on his shore? Whatever the, I don't know what the words are. But I'd rather be with God than be in the world. I'd rather lose everything and find God than stay in the world and go to hell. And that's for many people in the church world, not in this church, you guys are awesome, but many in other churches are not following God completely. They're not serving God completely. They pretend to follow God. The Bible says, wide is the gate of destruction, narrow is the gate to heaven. To find Jesus is not a simple thing. To find Jesus is not something you come forward, say a little prayer, get baptized, oh, you're all going to heaven. To follow Jesus is you're giving up your life to follow him. Jesus said it time and time again in the New Testament. He said over again, if you want to follow me, give up everything and follow me. He challenged everyone that came to him. I encourage you, go through the book of Matthew. Everyone, we want to follow you. Oh, you do? Give up everything and follow me. And many people went away sad. Like, I can't give up everything. I can't do that. You want me to do what? One guy came to him and says, my father died. Let me go bury my father. He goes, let the dead bury their dead. Jesus was not about excuses. We all have excuses, do we not? We all do. I'm going to follow God, but first, that's the whole thing, but first if I do this, but first if I do this. Charles Finney, a great man of God who was a revivalist from the 1700s, he was filled with the ghost spoken tongues. Cool thing, happened back in the 1700s. Awesome man of God. But when he, when he was preaching, when he was preaching one day, he came, up to, he came up to a gentleman. He goes, he's praying for this guy to get saved. He was the leader in the land. He's praying for the guy to get saved, praying for the guy to get saved. The guy didn't get saved. And one day, Charles is praying for him, and God said, stop praying for this guy. Why? Why? Because he prayed for everybody that Charles Finney prayed for. He prayed for them till he got released in the spirit. He got victory, and they knew the person got saved. They might have got saved that day or a year later, but they end up getting saved every time. That's a side note there. If you know of somebody that's not following Jesus completely, Pray for them until God gives you release and you'll get the victory. But you can't pray a five-minute prayer. He prayed hour-long prayers. But anyway, he, he, and he quit praying. He went to talk to the guy. He's talking to the guy about this. He goes, what's going on? And the guy says, well, I will get saved, but first I've got to go be in the, in the political realm. And they want to make a stand on some issue, and I can't make that stand and be a Christian. So I'll come back and get saved later. The guy ended up dying and never got saved. You can never say, but wait, let me do this first. I don't want to give up all right now. Let me do this first. You can't do that. Many of us try that. We think, wait a minute, I want to do this, I want to do this. You have to follow God now. You have to give everything and follow him now. Because if you're a friend of the world, you're going to miss what God wants to do in your life. God wants every one of us to be giant killers. He wants every one of us to be giant slayers. He wants us to be victorious in our life. But if you're a friend of the world, you'll never become a giant killer because you'll be scared of the giants. Because the giants will show up. I can't do that because that giant's too big for me. That giant's too large for me. Let's keep reading there. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 5. Or do you suppose it says to no purpose, the scripture says... He yearns jealousy over the spirit that has made it dwell in us. 
but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. James is saying right there, if we will humble ourselves and say, God, I want to follow you. God, I don't want to live in sin anymore. I don't want to live in wrong. I don't want to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. If you have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, I can promise you, you're not going to heaven. Let that sink in for a moment. Many of us think we can play games with God. But Jesus said time and time again, he that is faithful to the end will receive the reward. Faithful to the end. If you're playing games with God, you're not going to make it there. Stop playing games with God. Get a hold of God and follow God with your life. Don't play games. Don't, don't keep one foot in the world and say, well, I like it over here. I'm having fun over here. God hasn't judged me yet. I'm still enjoying this. I can still do what I want to do. I can still go get drunk. I can still do drugs. I can, whatever, whatever, I can still be in adultery. I can still commit sin. God hasn't judged me. I can still do the wrong things, okay? God hasn't judged me yet. But if you keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting, at one point it might be too late. You can't keep waiting. You have to make a decision. Are you going to follow God 100%? Or follow him part way. I told you guys, God's been on me like this, like nothing in the world. And he told me this some time ago. He said, make disciples. He did not say grow a big church. He said, make disciples. I'd love a mega church. I'd love to preach in front of 10,000. I've done it before. I'd love to preach 10,000 people. That'd be awesome. But God said, make disciples. He didn't say, build a church. That's what he told me to do, is make disciples. And making disciples is not always easy. Making disciples is not always comfortable. Does everybody understand that? Keep smiling at me. It's not for you. It's somebody else. But that's what he told me to do is to make disciples. And not everyone wants to be a disciple. Not everyone wants to follow God 100%. Some people want to follow him half percent, 25%, 75%. God told me to make disciples. And I have to preach the word he gave me. And for two and a half years, I preached God's word, but I had preached this hard before. Because God said, make disciples disciples make disciples i want every one of you to be a giant slayer i want every one of you to be a full disciple of god's not a part-time one not a half-time one the one that says god i'm going to follow you god whatever you want the bible says without holiness you will not see him the only way we can get holy is through jesus he makes us holy now realize this he loves you he forgives you. I said, he died. Jason, Jason said the best way. God doesn't love me because I'm perfect. He loves you for who you are, but he will make you perfect when you come to him. Does that make sense? He loves you where you're at, but when you come to him, he will make you perfect. You come to him how you are. You come to him however you are. You come to him. God, I'm not perfect. God, I make mistakes. God, I blow it. God's okay. Come with me. When Peter came to Jesus, Peter was an idiot. Me and Jason are like Peter. Peter made mistakes all the time. Peter blew it a lot, Jason. Thank you very much. 
But Jesus said, you know what, Peter? Keep going. It's okay. You blow it. A righteous man gets back up again, and you keep going forward. You make a mistake, you blow it. It's okay. It's not okay. It's not good to make mistakes. Everybody understand that? It's not good to make mistakes. But if you make a mistake, God's okay. Let's get up. Let's keep going again. But you have to come to God first. So God, here I am. I want to follow you completely. Peter gave up everything to follow God. He gave everything. And what's the worst mistake any one of us could make? I mean, you could kill somebody. And again, I said this weeks ago, and I, a child molester has got to be the worst in my book. That's got to be somebody that, that I would want to hurt myself. I'd want to kill him myself. But I think the worst thing in God's eyes is if we deny Jesus. I, that's what I think it is. He hates all sin. But Peter did the worst sin to God. He says, I don't believe in Jesus. He even put a curse on himself. The Bible says he cursed himself for curse. I don't know if he cussed up a storm. He, he was a sailor anyway. You blankety blank, servant girl. I know who Jesus is. He denied Jesus three times one night. And Jesus, says, Jesus said, Peter, the devil wants to sift you. But when you come back, when you come back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you. When, when, when Peter, when Jesus, when Jesus rose from the dead, he came out and they're, they're, they're fishing on the, in, the, um, in the galley or wherever they're fishing at. And they're fishing. I don't know where it was at. They're fishing there somewhere. And they're fishing. That's what I don't know. They're fishing. Anyway, you got the idea? They're fishing. They're fishing somewhere. Anyway, they're fishing. What's that? They're at the lake. They're some like fishing. Anyway, you got their fishing. They say they're fishing. Anyway, so they're fishing. And they, and they didn't catch anything. And Jesus said, hey, throw your nets on the other side. And this second time, third, I think second, third time that Jesus did this to Peter. And every time Peter's listen, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'm doing something and I'm professional at what I'm doing, I'm, a, I'm not, I'm a professional preacher, I guess. I don't know. If, I'm, if I know what I'm doing and somebody, hey, someone says, hey, try like this, I'm like, dude, I've been doing this all that long. I'm not going to try your way, buddy. But Peter did. He caught a bunch of fish. He goes, that's Jesus. He threw his clothes off, which was weird to me. Anyway, <laughs> woohoo, Jesus. He swam in. He said, Jesus, Jesus, you're, you're here. Jesus, you're here. And Jesus sat down and fed them fish. And said, Peter, do you love me? He goes, yeah, yeah, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Now, I've asked my kids questions like that four, three times in a row, and they get mad about the third time. Dude, Dad, I told you what. What do you want to ask? Peter's probably frustrated. Jesus, what? You know I, what? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus was trying to get across to Peter. Peter, you messed up three times, but I love you three times. You can mess up all you want, but I still love you. I'm still here for you. Follow me. Keep going forward. Realize that. We're all going to make mistakes. But the point is, have you given up all to follow him first of all? If you, if you, if you still play games, you're not following God. But if you've given up all to follow God... God will still lead you, and when you mess up, like a shepherd does, when a sheep messes up, he picks sheep up, puts you in the right trail, and you keep going again. But if you're doing your own thing, going your own way, you're not even following God. We need to follow God with our lives. We need to give our all to follow him. Don't do it halfway. Don't do it partway. Follow him completely. Give everything over to follow God. I'm not going to read this one. In Joshua 6, it talks about Joshua being the, being the giant killer. The whole issue about being, being, a, being a giant killer, going in the promised land. Joshua looked at the, they, when the Israelites first came to the promised land, they sent 12 spies in. 10 spies came back and said, they're too big. 
It's flowing with milk and honey, awesome grapes, great stuff, but the giants are too big. We can't do it. Then they came back again the 40 years later because they messed up. They came in this time, and Joshua said, guys, we're going in there. We're going to win the battle. We're not only going to fight. We're going to be victorious in this battle. We're going to win this battle every time. And they went in there, and they won the battle because they honored and they obeyed God. And they weren't scared of the giants. Fear will stop you from being a giant killer. Fear will stop you from serving God. Don't let fear hinder you from serving God. Because fear will stop you every time. Because when God comes to you and says, give up all to follow me. Charles Finney has a great story about this. Some lady kept coming, I want to get saved, I want to get saved, I want to get saved. He'd pray for, he believed, and I still believe in this. And I be, if you have not had this kind of experience, you, you're not saved yet. Everyone look at me, pay attention. If you have not had this kind of experience, I can't see in your heart, but I want to challenge you, seek for, this, seek for this kind of experience. When I was 17 years old, I remember this. I was in a service just like this, great preacher just like I am. Thanks, Steve, for laughing at me. Anyway, I was listening to the sermon, and uh, I didn't go far with the altar call, but something hit me. I got saved that. I was 17 years old. Something hit me. There was a change in my life. Charles Finney tells the same story. Keith Green tells the same story. Many, many God share the same story, where something hit them, and all of a sudden, they knew they were different. It wasn't, it wasn't just a, let me tell you, we, we make a mental ascent. I love Jesus. Yeah, but it's got to be a heart change. And when the heart change happens, it hits you. Charles Finney believed that. He preached that way. You need to get saved. And many people go find a place in a, in a closet, out in the field somewhere, and pray till they got saved. Because, the, the, because it is a sacrifice on your part to lay something down to get saved. And I'm not taking offering up. It's not about money. It's something in you you have to lay down to get saved. Charles Finney tells about a lady who came to him. I want to get saved. I want to get saved. She kept coming to him. And he kept saying, he kept praying for her. She wouldn't get saved. Finally, one day, about the fifth or sixth time, he goes, go pray yourself. Go spend time with God yourself. She went up, came down six hours, some hours later, came down, and she was radically changed. There was a smile about her, a glow about her. He goes, what happened to you? She goes, every time I went to pray to get saved... And I think I'm going to share this with you guys recently. A bow would appear in my head. I get this picture of a bow. A hair bow, a hair bow sorry. Because hair bows back then are very important. And to her, it was very important. It's what made her feel good. She took that hair bow out of her hair at that moment and says, if this pride is keeping me from getting saved, I don't want it. And she threw it to the ground and stepped on it. And instantly, God came into her life. Because she threw down the pride in her life and says, I don't want this if this keeps me from getting to Jesus. Every one of you is going to have something. If you hadn't happened happen yet, everyone is going to have something that you have to say, wait a minute, God's more important than this is. It's not necessarily money. It could be anything. I don't know what it is, but that's between you and Jesus. Everyone say amen to that. It's between you and Jesus, not me and you. Not me and you. It's between you and Jesus. But you go to God and say, God, what is it? Because, God, I want to follow you. I want to know you 100%. I want to see you in my life. Joshua and them fought the battle and they won the battle because they believed God and they weren't scared of the giants. In Joshua chapter, I think it's Joshua chapter 6 or 10 or somewhere in there, Joshua chapter 6, 
They walked around Jericho seven days in a row. I don't know why they walked around Jericho seven days in a row, but they walked around their giant of a problem seven days in a row, consistently walk around Jericho, walk around Jericho, walk around Jericho. And the whole time, the guys on the, on the, the, army, the opposite army were making fun of them, yelling at them, hey, you bunch of no good, blah, blah, blah. What are you all doing out there? Walk around. You have no, you have no weapons. You're going to fight us? Come on. Come bring it up here. Come on. Cl- scale the wall. Try and fight. Try and destroy us. Making fun of them the whole time. Putting them down the whole time. You're no good. You're worthless. You can't do it. But they kept following God. They kept honoring God. We're going to do what God said to do. Walk around this wall. The seventh day, they walked around seven times. Then they all shouted to, to God and to Joshua, be the victory. And the walls fell down on the seventh day. Because they listened to God, not to what their flesh said. I can promise you. I've had people in the church before that I didn't say this, but they heard it and they got mad at me. I'm like, whatever. I was preaching one day. This is months ago. This is three or four months ago. I said something about that. I said something about following God and everything. Don't get a degree just because you want to get a degree. Make sure God's telling you. And someone, it hit their heart. And it pricked their heart, and they got mad at me, and they haven't been back. Because God was hitting their heart. It wasn't me. It was Holy Spirit hitting their heart, saying, don't do something. You want to do it. Follow God with your life. And many of us won't lay down what we want to get, what we want to do, because we want to do what we want to do. Wait a minute. I have, my, I have better than you. We're saying, God, I have better than you. I know better than you, God. I'm going to do what I want to do. God, I, I can do it myself. I'll do what I want to do. God says, no, give it all up to me. But God, I can do it. I'm great. I'm awesome. I can do it. I don't want to listen to the pastor. I don't want to listen to my adult parents. I don't want to listen to anybody else. I can do what I want to do. And we miss the greatest things of God. We will not be a giant slayer, giant killer, because we're not listening to God. We're not laying down everything we have to follow him. God is challenging every one of you in this place, me included. Lay down everything in your life to God. Say, God, I want to give up all to follow you. Whatever that means, whatever that takes, I want to follow you because I want to be a giant killer. I want to be a giant slayer. You have a choice to make in your life. Do you want to be a giant slayer? Only those that give up all to follow Christ will be giant slayers. Joshua destroyed Jericho with God's help. David killed Goliath with God's help. Elijah called on fire from heaven. Elijah also, this is a cool story. Elijah, this, this, I want to do this. Not, I don't want to do this on purpose, but this would be fun to do if this ever happens to me. Elijah was sitting in his house one day, and, and the king was going to call on some evil person to get, a, to get a prophecy over him. God told Elijah, go tell this man, go back to the king. He's going to die because he's calling on the wrong God. He went out and met the man. Hey, go back to your king. He's going to die. Went back to the king. king was like, who'd you say? Who, who talked to you? We don't know, some guy in some weird tunic. I don't know who he is. Some guy in some weird looking outfit. That was Elijah. Go get him. So a captain and 50 men went to Elijah's door, all dressed up, all manly men, knocked on the door. Hey, come with us. The king wants you. He's going to kill you. They didn't say that. They said, come with us. Elijah goes. He sat there and he thought for a moment. I mean, I, I love Elijah and Elijah. Those two guys are my favorite two guys in the Old Testament. Elijah's been Elijah in my book. But anyway, Elijah, Elijah, the first guy, Elijah, Elisha. Elijah's sitting there, the first Elijah. He's sitting there. He's probably thinking for a moment. He's probably thinking, well, what should I do right now? I got it. If I'm a man of God, fire should come down from heaven and destroy all 50 guys. 
a fireball, and they're all gone. Would that be cool? So then the next guys come up, and they're madder yet. Hey, come back. Elijah's sitting there. He's probably thinking to himself, oh, I could do the same thing again. If I'm man of God, fire's coming out. They're all gone. The third guy came. He comes on his knees. I'm so sorry. <laughs> please, please don't kill me. He got wise. He got smart. This guy's a man of God. He comes and he's, okay, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Uh, listen, my king wants you. It's okay if you don't come. I'm okay. Just don't, just don't kill me. He's so scared to death. And God told him, go with him. He won't, he won't hurt you. Okay, I'll go with you this time. If you want to be that powerful, you have to give up everything to follow God. And let me tell you something. Every one of you can be that powerful. Every one of you can have that power of God in your life. If you go through the New Testament and you see the great things they did, the amazing things these guys did, and, some, and people say it's, it's all gone away. It hadn't gone away with. People say that it stopped the disciples. Well, then they forgot about Philip and Stephen and a whole bunch of others, and me and other people have seen great things of God. But you can see amazing things of God if you will humble yourself before God. Say, God, I give up all to follow you. Because I want to know you. It's all about relationship. Get to know God this morning. Spend time with him. Seek him. Spend time. Worship him. And let him become great inside of you. He will, he will, he will rise up inside of you. The more you give up to him, the more you surrender to him, the more you give all over to him, you'll see him move in your life more and more. In the book of Acts, it talks about how they saw God move greatly. Book of Acts, chapter 2 and chapter 4, it says this. I'm not going to read chapter 2 for you, but the end of chapter 2 and the end of chapter 4 both say the same thing. Verse 33. With great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not an needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to each as he had need. It talks about Joseph, who was, who was Barnabas, who came and sold a field. And it goes on in chapter 5, talking about Anas and Fire, how they lied about it, how they didn't give all. But I'm down to verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Many signs and wonders were done. Because all, all of the, all the people that got saved were following the teachings of the apostles. Say, hey, we're going to follow you. Will you teach us? We're going to follow you. They gave up all to follow God. People were selling lands and homes and giving it up for the poor, not for the disciples. Everybody understand that? All the money went to the widows and the orphans and the poor. They didn't, it didn't fund. It did pay for some of their ways, but a lot of it went to the poor. I would say most of it went to the poor and the needy. The money went to the correct places. If you go to Acts 6, it talks about that money went to the right places. But it's your heart. What have you got in your life that you need to give up to follow God? What's in your life you need to give up? When you, get, when you give it up, you'll see the great things of God. Let's pray. Everyone bow your head close your eyes. Father, this morning we thank opportunity this morning to come together. And Father, I ask that you would help every one of us realize right now what it is we're holding on to. What are we holding on to today that we need to give up for you? What is so important in our lives that we won't lay it down to find more of you? 
Show every one of us, touch every one of our hearts right now. Show us what that is, Father. What is it that we hold so dearly that we don't want to give it up for your glory? Father, I ask you to speak every, to everybody in this room and show them what that is. Father, I don't have a clue what it is. It could be anything. It could be Haribo. It could be anything, Father. You know what it is. For some, it is money. For some, it is clothes. For some, it is a vehicle. For some, it is a whatever it is. But, Father, you want us to lay it down, surrender it to you. Whatever that means, whatever that takes, Father God, let every one of us surrender our own plans, our own agendas, our own ideas, and follow you completely because that's where the glory of God is, following you completely with everything we have. That's when we become giant slayers. That's when we become like Elijah, Father. Help every one of us realize that, to lay everything down and to follow you. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask this question this morning. Does this hit your heart this morning? Are you one of those people right now who say, you know what, I, I want to follow God, but I'm still playing around a little bit. And God is showing you something right now in your heart. He's showing you something that you need to lay something down. Whatever, it could be anything. It could be, it could be a, a school. It could be a job. It could be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever it is. Whatever it is, lay it down this morning. Just something you need to lay down today to say, this is me. I see that I need to lay this down. It could be makeup. Could be anything. Could be shoes. Whatever you think is more important, and you would not want to give it up for Jesus. If that is hitting your heart this morning, that's you and say, you know what? That's me today. God is showing me something right now, and I want to give it up. I want to get. I want to know God's glory. I want to know Him completely. I want to serve Him. If that's you, shoot your hand up right now. Say, that's me. I want to give it up today. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? You can put your hand back down again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? You can put your hand back down again. Let's all say this prayer. Everyone say it together with me. Whether you raise your hand or not, it's always good to pray this prayer again anyway. Say, Father, I come before you right now. I am tired of playing games. I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to grow in my relationship with you. Father, I love you. I accept your son. Come into my life. You are Lord of my life. Nothing else is Lord. You are Lord. You are in charge. And I worship you today. Father, thank you for doing that for every one of us today. Father, do that for every one of our hearts today. That we surrender everything over to you. And Father, you know what that is. And Father, I ask you to show them how to lay that down. Whatever it is, to lay it down at your feet. To lay it down and give it up. Say, so God, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to know you. I want to be a disciple of yours more and more. Father, I want to know you 100%. And Father, I ask you to move in every one of our hearts today. Show every one of us how to do that, how to live for you 100%. Make it real inside of us. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If y'all will stand up, we're going to end with that, that you know what song I want to end with, Carson? Yeah, you can turn that off. Thank you. I wrote this down in my notes as well as we end this morning. More churches, specifically our church, just because it's us, we need to be more concerned with imperfections in our pews 
than the perfection of the church service. Does that make sense? Sometimes we're so, and I know I am, I'm so concerned. Make sure all the songs correct, make sure lights are on, make sure this is, make sure this, make sure this is done. And we're more concerned about the perfection of the church service than we are about God perfecting every one of us. And we have to focus on the right things. Let God perfect every one of you. None of us are perfect. But the closer and closer we get to God, the more he'll make us like him. Amen? Get to know God today. How many of you can look at one of my kids and say you're just like your dad? Right? Thank you. You know what? God wants people to say that about you. Man, you're just like Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen? Get to know him more and more. Spend time with him every day. Worship him every day. Spend time in his word every day. I'm quick. That was a quick story. I cut my ear off. <laughs> anyway, anyway, spend time with God every day. Spend time in his word and let him work on you because he loves you. Do you know that? He loves you. He wants to work on you so he can make you a golden vessel. Amen? That's the only reason these sermons are like this. It's not to beat you on the head and say you're horrible. It's to help you grow and become like him. Amen? If, if you feel convicted today, that's one thing. Do not feel condemned. Condemnation is from the devil. Conviction is from God. Conviction says, hey, I love you. Let's get it right. Condemnation says you're horrible, you're rotten. That's from the enemy. Conviction says, hey, you're doing it wrong. Let's get it right because I want to bless you. That's what Jesus did for Peter every single time. And every one of us. Hey, you've been missing it? Let's get it right. Here we go. Condemnation says you're a bad, horrible person. Just shut, tell that to shut the heck up. Amen? God loves you. He loves every one of you. Live for Him. Amen? Let's sing this last song. God, be my vision. Be my holy tree. Yeah, I'll be the branches of your